Welcome to Weddings Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you build a productive, profitable wedding or event business. Here's your host, Angela Profit. Hi, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Weddings Unveiled professional tips and secrets on wedding planning and event design, where we take you behind the scenes of our past experiences in the industry and share with you what we have learned from them and how they have made us stronger. This podcast will help you grow a productive and profitable business to launch you into success within the hospitality industry. Before we get started, I want to ask you something. Are you looking for a community of professionals that are looking to share, learn, and grow where you can talk openly and freely about the highs and lows in your business? If so, I want to invite you to check out my inner circle at AngelaProfit.com slash membership. Hi, y'all. It's Angela Prophet. Thank you so much for joining me today on another episode of Weddings Unveiled. Today, I am super geeked out, excited to talk to Sandy Hammer, who is the co-founder and CMO of All Seated. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sandy. Thank you, Angela. I'm thrilled to be with you and your audience. Very exciting for us, and we love tech. So we're going to have a lot of fun, Angela, I have a feeling. Yes, I cannot wait. If if you are driving and listening to this episode right now, you might either A, want to pull over so you can take notes, definitely don't like take notes while you're driving, or just save the podcast for when you can take notes and look some things up, because we're going to talk about a lot of cool things that are changing and coming out in the wedding industry. Um, but before we dive into that, Sandy, can you tell our audience a little bit about your background and how did you get into the whole wedding industry? Sure. So um, I always start off by saying I was a very frustrated person in my industry because to tell you the truth, I was a corporate planner for a high-tech company. So the frustrations of working for a high-tech company, uh, we were the first people that introduced voice over IP in the very early days of mobile. So we did um, all the voice messaging on mobile. We introduced all of that. So here I was surrounded by technologists and lots and lots of startup in the startup world. And I was the corporate planner. I was the in-house corporate planner. And I had a very exciting job. I ran events all over the world. We wined and dined our customers because obviously the company did very well. So in the good years, we had great budgets. And in the bad years, not so good. But on the whole, we had some pretty... Um, crazy budgets to run. But my frustrations as a planner grew and grew as the years went by because one of the things that we never had was the fact that we have we never ran an event at, say, like a property like a Hilton or a Marriott or maybe one of the big chains that for sure I maybe could have found a floor plan online or somebody would have helped me. We always went to some remote place. I ran events in Cambodia and far north in China, mountains in the heights of Austria and, and Italy. So we always went to somewhere very, very remote yeah. and nobody had a floor plan. Nobody. They didn't even know what I was talking oh about. You know? <laughs> and as we as planners know that if you don't have a floor plan, you don't know what space, you know, what you really have in space wise. So, you know, can I really fit 500 people for a seated dinner? Can I build an exhibition that's going to host my 80 products that while we wined and dined our customers, we sold our wear during the day? So we had a lot of things to figure out. And, um, you know, as the years went on, I always had a local agent. I always did site inspections and, you know, we were teams of people, but I cannot tell you however much I prepared. There was always some mistakes made because we really didn't have the accuracy of the layouts and because of that we would have to make last minute changes and that costs money right that costs us money yeah to do that. you know if i build an exhibition and i can't get the last piece in we've got to somehow break it apart and rebuild it or you know i've got 500 guests and really only 480 putting in two extra tables could really affect a flow of an event all of these things 
that we know are so important to us as planners and we understand how a flow of an event is really the essence of the success of an event, right? We do know that. We have enough experience. So I think that it just boiled to the point where my last event, should I tell you the story quickly? Yes, please share. Okay. I love this. So it's a great story. So I was running an event in North Italy and I'd actually run quite a few events in Italy. So I was like very excited about this. It was going to be a no brainer. I had a fantastic agent, Chiara, who I'd worked with over the years and who I absolutely adore. So we'd, um, we'd taken over this whole uh, castle up north in Italy and there was uh, a village of about 40 people that over the site tours had got to know us because they were basically supplying us with everything and uh, I'd been many times in and out of the castle taking measurements I'd even got um, you know professional CAD drawings that's how far I'd come I paid thousands of dollars for professional CAD drawings so I was very confident with everything We decided to build the exhibition this year in Poland and truck it over because I thought if I build it in Poland, it's cheap and I can actually build everything out and all we'd have to do is sort of like plug it like a Lego piece. It would be less work really for us on the day because building an exhibition and coming like four or five days earlier is always so exhausting. Mm -hmm. That's before you're even running the events, right? So I thought I'd get very smart, build out the exhibition in Poland. We'd gone down to Poland a couple of times, me and my team, to learn how to build the exhibitions. And it was really like a Lego piece. It was fun, easy. The whole thing was going to take two hours. So we arrived the night before uh, the event. And, uh, you know, we had the trucks were meant to arrive at 11 o'clock in the morning. We had the whole day. So, you know, as expected, the trucks were delayed. I got the first phone call and I was really expecting it. You know, nothing ever happens on time. So I was really expecting the calls. I'd bought us a really good case of wine. So me and my team could sit in the beautiful balconies and sip our wine because there was really nothing to do until the trucks arrived. Right. And there we were waiting for the trucks. So 11 o'clock goes early afternoon and we're really not phased because I don't really care. The trucks arrive and we've got two hours of work and that was it. So around eight o'clock, by which time we'd had quite a few bottles of wine, as you can imagine, because we'd had a very relaxing <laughs> day, drinking up bottles of wine. The trucks pull in and I'm very excited. We'll be in bed by 10, 11, the latest. They start unloading all the trucks and as they unload the trucks, my heart literally stopped because oh, no. one thing I had not paid attention to was the entrance, was the doorway of the castle. Now, if you, I'm very short, so I'd walked through that door a thousand times and I never paid any attention that it's miniature. The door of a castle is miniature. So as I stood there and I realized these huge pieces that they're taking out of the truck that are all prepared, I realized not one piece is actually going to go through the door of the castle. And I'm standing there and I'm like, shit <laughs> what am I gonna do uh-huh. it's eight o'clock at night now it's like eight thirty, nine o'clock at night uh, everything's being laid out because they realize themselves they can't get anything through the door I turn to my my agent Kiara and I look at her and I'm like what are we gonna do what, what on earth are we gonna do I can't build an exhibition in the in the driveway here we need to get it indoors <laughs> oh my god so she's looking at me. I'm looking at her. We're both a little you know, drunk because we've been drinking wine yeah. all day. I have my team <laughs> hanging around. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I, 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 grasp, I, I, I grasp my agent and I say to her, listen, okay, I'm going to go with my team and we're going to wake everybody up in the village. We're going to get everybody to come here and we're going to break every piece of furniture that they're unloading. We're going to break it. You need to fly me in two carpenters from Rome, whatever the cost is, whatever it is, get me the carpenters. By the time I get everything inside, they'll build it through the night. Yeah. And that's how we are as event planners, right? Yep. What do we do? We make the event happen. That's right. The show goes on, right? Yep. And as of, you know, nine o'clock the next morning, the show went on. Everything was perfect. We hadn't slept the whole night. We were wrecks. And I wrote my letter of resignation to my CEO <laughs> that morning. And after his opening presentation, I hand him my letter. And he says to me, he goes, what are you talking about, Sandy? Why would you you know, why would you do this? We know we need you, blah, blah, blah. And I said to him, listen, firstly, you haven't seen the bill that's going to arrive on your desk when you get home. Uh Uh-huh, because you're going to kill me. (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. It was a bill that you can only imagine. And second of all, you know what? I'm sick and tired of this. Whatever we do, yep. we still don't have digitized tools. We are still an industry that work with pen and paper. We are still mm-hmm. an industry that rely on so much of just, you know, things that we're not able to do. And technology can be built for us. I know it. It was the year that Uber came out and digitalized the entire taxi industry. And I just decided it can't go on anymore. We need to be digitalized. And that's what we did. We digitalized our industry. How amazing. (laughs) So now, so after you resigned, like what were the next steps for you? Like, did you take us through that story? Because how, how was All Seated born? How did you take a little bit of time off before (laughs) you jumped in to like get sane and like reflect well, yeah that's a great that I really should have but the truth <laughs> is I would have <laughs> I yeah exactly I, I should have but no the, the tr- it, it kind of happened all at the same time so one of the lucky things was is that I was already surrounded by technology and I knew a lot of people and over the years I'd met a lot of teams because our company bought a lot of companies and we also hosted a lot of other teams and one of the teams I'd met over the years were an amazing team of gaming technologists. Uh, Daniel, who's my co-founder, um, I was always intrigued by what they were doing. They were like just real innovators. I love the gaming world. Building a game to me was the answer for all our problems because if I could build the simplicity of what a game is, that means I could reach hundreds of thousands of people. To change an industry is not something you can do overnight, but if you built it in a way that we actually didn't change the way that we work because actually I was that planner. I knew that what we were doing was right. So I wasn't looking to actually change the way we worked. I was just looking for the tools that can help us do what we do, you know? So I needed that, that coding to be in a gamification way, in a gaming way that if you're playing sort of like, if you play Candy Crush in um, America or England or Russia or China, everybody has the intuition to play it, right? You don't right. need to be a gaming expert to know how to play a game today. Everybody has the same intuition. So I knew from the beginning I wanted a gaming team um, to work with me. So I contacted uh, Daniel, who has a team, and I told him what I wanted to do. And he said to me, if you can wait a month, he needs four weeks. He's, it was just great timing. He was selling up one of his companies. He was looking for his next project and he said, I just need, I go, a month? That's great. I'll have a month to research. I'll have a month to find out more information. And that's what we did. We regrouped in a month yeah. and I came with my folder. <laughs> with your paper and pen. Exactly. My my huge folder, because that's what we do as planners, right? We have, yep. that's what we used to do anyway. We had everything in, pol- in folders. Um, and I presented it to him and he, and him and his team loved the idea and they started to build. And I think that really that's what um, the success really of All Seated. It was the success of, um, of really building it in an intuitive way, building it in a simplistic way that, you know, your intuition takes over as opposed to anybody trying to reteach you something because that's not what I was trying to do. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Like how long did, did it take you all, you know, to build? Cause I've got, it's crazy how, um, so one of the entrepreneur organizations that I'm in this business forum group that I'm in, one of the past groups I, I was in, there was 10 business owners and we rotate, but there was a guy who built gaming apps and we didn't really grow up with games. We didn't really grow up with TV. I was like a very sheltered child. Like Nintendo was out, but we didn't have one. And so, um, so I never got into that world. But holy cow, like I did not realize how big and humongous gaming apps and all the money that and the oh, yeah. like he we were all talking, like we share experiences and we were talking about marketing dollars and the ROI. This is when Facebook first started doing ads for businesses. And he's like, yeah, I mean, we're spending anywhere between 40 and $60,000 a day on Facebook. And I'm like, what, what did you just say? (laughs) I'm like, what? And I'm like, people don't even spend that in 
a year. Like what? And he's like, oh, well, you don't understand the way that the gaming world works and, and the way that we use the money. And I, I, I learned so much uh, knowledge on the gaming industry and it was, it just blew me away, but it also brought me up a level, a major level in understanding, you know, to look at the bigger picture. And it's like, okay, if we have to spend $10,000 a month on software to make 50,000, like, well, why wouldn't we do that? Um, And getting our accountants, our small town, small, I mean, love our accountants, but the, they don't, they didn't understand. So me having to teach them like, Hey, it's okay that we're investing X amount of dollars in all these different softwares because we're going to make it back. Like I promise you. And when we launched webinars and we, all this stuff, my accountant was flipping out, like <laughs> didn't understand, but I, he didn't know what he didn't know. I mean, it's okay now, you know, you make, you make it back and then you make some yeah. mistakes and you're like, Oh, I won't use that platform. Um, yeah. But how long did it take until you guys actually released it and and started to actually use it with, for clients? So uh, I drove the team mad. I literally went every day <laughs> until Daniel told me that, you know, you can only come now once a week. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. We need to be left alone so we can program because I'd, li- I'd stand and, you know, like you said, I'm not, I'm not really a techie. I just, you know, I just, I'm a great marketer and I'm a networker and I know how to, I, I know how to sort of like bring something into a product, in, into a market, but I don't know anything about technology or how to build anything. So for months, there was nothing to see. And I kept saying, are you doing anything? Is anything happening? I don't understand. How comes I can't see anything? And like I continuously have this like whining you know way about about it just because I was so you know and then I would say about six months into and and I was researching and I and I decided that you know I better be ready because I didn't really know anything about the wedding industry and I needed to know who my contacts were and who were the people that I wanted to bring on board and who was I going to show it to first so I was kind of busy like really you know, and I love that side of the business as well. I really researched people. So I, I, by the time the product was ready, which was eight months later, I knew exactly, I was totally targeted. I knew exactly how I was going to get it in the market. I knew exactly the people I was going to go after. I knew I was going to start. I'd already, I'd already knocked out England, who was too behind for me. I was, knew I was coming to America. Like a lot of things I'd done in those eight months. But six months, Daniel phoned me up one day and he said to me, okay, come by. And I ran like a lunatic and I was like, you know, and I, and I stood there and I started like getting hysterical, like, you know, emotional that, oh my God, they'd built something. I saw it for the first time, you know, there, there was the floor plan and there, there was the tables and the floor plan was scaled and we, the tables automatically scaled to the floor plan, just very basic things, you know, and then I could upload a guest list and I could seat my guests on the floor plan. And, you know, I could have a, a stage and I could, you know, put some furniture on and, and all these things that we'd been manually doing or paying thousands of dollars to a CAD designer to do. Mm. This was something that I could do just with clicking. I could click and click. It was like a game. I could just click, yeah. and, click and they built it like a game, you know? And I was so, so excited. So as soon as I had the first prototype, which was six months, I went to my first trip to America and knowing no one, really knowing no one, I actually arrived on the doorstep. I arrived in New York and I had one, one person that I was totally uh, targeted to bring on board first. And I knew if I could get this one person on board, everything else would just fall into place. I didn't even look for a second person. I just wanted this one person. Yeah. His name was uh, Arthur Bacall. He was the, the, the person that knew everybody in New York. He was the guy that worked at the Rainbow Rooms. He was the guy that worked at the Plaza, the Pierre, the Mandarin. And every, every sort of like story I had followed him around with over the years, he was one of the first people to introduce height, like, uh, um, what's it called? Um, you know, LCD screens. Oh um, yeah, LCD screens, high yeah. Te- yeah, high technology before anybody else was doing it. I remember reading an article and thinking, Oh, this guy's like the techie guy in this, you know, in the, in the events industry, you know, he had his own, um, event planning company. He had a hospitality group. He, he was just a guy that every time I read something, I, I noticed his name somewhere. 
And um, I knew if I could get a meeting with him or if I could track him down and I could show him the product that, that um, maybe he'd be interested and he yeah. would. And, and that's really what happened. We, um, I don't want to say stalked him because that's not a very nice word, <laughs> but you know, social media was already around. So yeah. using social media today is very different. So I started to, you know, connect with him through LinkedIn and Facebook and, you know, a lot, a lot of social media. And I, um, I knew the places he hung out at, cause obviously you can see that in social media and you can, so don't, you know, there's a little stalking, but it was all kind of like allowed because he was putting it all up within yeah. social media, right? So it was it all, strategic. you know, I mean, it's very strategic. Exactly. Yeah. I when I tell the story or when I, when he tells the story, he tells it even funnier because he tells it that every so often he'd look up and he thought he saw a familiar face, but he wasn't quite sure. Cause it was a why I didn't do it on my first time I saw him, you know, like I maybe did it the fourth or fifth time and that, you know, I was waiting for the right moments and the right this and the right that and the right atmosphere. And I was a little nervous. He'd say no to me. And then I didn't even know where I was going to go after that. So, you know, it was all like a whole build up. <laughs> And imagine, so, right? so when you showed him the product and like, where exactly did you all start? Like, I know when I heard about it and first saw it, but where did you all, did you first start with him introducing yes. you all to the venues? Exactly. So my, my biggest thing was, is that I, I, the only thing I needed from Arthur to do was to introduce me to four venues, three planners and two caterers. And actually not even caterers. I didn't even know about the catering community at the time. It was like really just um, more on the, on the venues and the planner side. So I think it was five, I wanted five and five. So I, I eventually got his attention and I asked him for 10 minutes. I said, I just need 10 minutes of your time. And I showed him a quick demo and he was blown away. He, he got it immediately. He, he asked all the right questions. He said, have you got collaboration? Have you got, you know, how, how fast can you scale this? And I said to him, I, we can do everything, but before I do anything, I need 10 people to be my beta testers. And without 10 people to be my beta testers, I don't think I can move. The, I won't be able to be as scalable as fast as I want, or I won't be able to get into the industry as fast as I want. And I need to do this. I want to do it all fast. So he thought about it and he said, fine. I, can you get me your technology team here in two weeks? I'll run an evening for you and I'll bring you the Plaza, the Mandarin, all these brand names that I knew he was connected to, but I didn't really think he'd actually bring them as my beta testers. I was like, you know, like I, I would have been happy with anyone at that stage. You know, I wasn't really thinking that he'd bring me these heavy branded names. And I was, yeah. I, I was like, my heart was like, oh my beating and beating. And I'm like, just give me the time, the date, we'll be there. And that's yeah. what we did. We, he brought us the top people in the industry, really the top people. I mean, I, I couldn't believe who showed up there. And, um, and actually, we decided to do the demo uh, live, which was a big risk, you know, because, yeah. uh, you know, we, we're not, I didn't want to do it like as just a video. And I didn't want to just talk it. I wanted to show it to them because I really felt it would be like the most powerful. Totally. So, we did it. And so, I, and I'm a bit of an actress just in my personality <laughs> and my business partner, Daniel, he's just, he's, he kind of go, he'll go along with the flow. You know, uh -huh. he doesn't want to act. He doesn't, he's a geek, you know, he doesn't want to do anything, but he would, he definitely said he'd go along with it, whatever I wanted to do. So I decided to do an improv. I decided to, that I would come in as the planner with this huge bag, right? With, you know, my color markers, my, my, my big tape measures, the big pad that I draw everything. And Daniel would be um, Manuel at the at the venue, who was sort of like the person that was going to sort of walk me around, and and then I was going to draw the floor plan, and I was going to make uh, Manuel very not Manuel Carlos very uh, nervous because I kept changing it, and I and I I sort of like over exaggerate a situation that really happens to all of us, yeah. right? So that the people in the audience could really react to what I was showing them right to a real life situation so I come in and I and I'm act as this like very uh over the top planner that's coming in and I want everything exact and I pull out my sketchbook and I start uh you know drawing this layer and then I then I throw it on the floor and I start drawing another one and five floor plans into it because that's what we do right we don't really know yeah. what we want we, we we kind of like you know create as we go along 
five floral plants into it, Carlos keeps talk, trying to uh, in, interrupt me and say, uh, Miss Emma, we have a new application. Let me show you this new application we have. And I'm like, Carlos, I, I don't need an application. I've been working in this business for years. I know what yeah. I'm doing. He goes, no, 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 Miss Sandy, let me show you. It's fantastic. And then Carlos goes in as the, uh, Daniel, as the technologist goes in and he, he brings up this software. And he explains to me that this is a cloud-based application. And I go, cloud, what are you talking about? I don't know what the cloud means. And <laughs> he goes, you know, and it's all this like very cool dialogue and we're very, we're being very entertaining. Yeah. And, um, and all of it is all of five minutes. It's not like I'm dragging it out a bit, but the whole thing's about five <laughs> minutes. And um, all of a sudden, we, he shows me how the floor plans up, how the tables are set and how he, and how my five floor plans that I just did on paper and pen in a minute, he's changed it to square tables, to round tables, to rectangle tables. And everybody in the audience is looking and they're like, they can't believe what's going on, you know, uh -huh. cause they've never seen anything like it. And then he sends it and he shows an invitation he sends the link to me on my home computer and I open up my home computer, like my laptop which, that's with me and I pull up the link and in real time, we start working on the actual floor plan and the audience is going crazy. They're I like, bet. literally they get up from their, their, their chairs and the, the head person from the Pierre who, well, I shouldn't say this cause you know, Maybe he'll listen, but he'd actually <laughs> laugh. He's a great guy, Bill. He's one of our best customers today. And they're the first ones that went into all our new products. But he gets up and he's like, I've never seen anything like it. I've been in this industry for 50 years and I've never seen anything like this. And we're like, there isn't. This is brand new. And every single person signed up with us that night to be our first wow. beta. Um, there wasn't a person that came out of the room that hadn't signed up with us. So it was very exciting. You know, it was a really exciting time. That, so how long ago was that? This was six years ago. I still talk about it with six such years. excitement. Okay. Six years, okay. yeah. Six it years just, ago. It seems like it's been around long. But yeah, our industry, um, I was just talking with someone about this yesterday, how behind. Um, and it's not that we're not talking about things. It's just that for some reason, like I was doing some consulting with a DMC, a destination management company where um like we have two big dmcs in nashville and they listen to a lot of my educational videos and my podcast and i talk about being paperless and i talk about technology and some of the younger generation you know they're trying to adopt this but they all have notebooks and they all have yeah. their manila <laughs> folders still and so when our town flooded in 2010 and Gaylord being one of their largest clients, um, everything floated away. And so yeah. Nashville was kind of forced out of tragedy to be a little bit more on the forefront of being paperless. And so at their annual conference, I guess, is coming up for DMCs, wherever that's going to be. And I was talking to the girl yesterday and she's like, Angela, you would die because 90% of all the destination management companies, the way they operate is, is so cave-like. She's like, it's just, it's not efficient first off. And she said, I guess they're all sitting around waiting for a fire or a flood and they're just, they're never going to change until a tragedy happens. And yeah, I'm like, it's, no, it, it's, it's crazy. I, I don't understand why people won't look into changing and growing. And it's really about serving the client and the industry better. I just don't think the right person has presented all of the pluses to them. And I don't know, maybe, have you all talked to DMCs about implementing this? So it's, yes, we, we know a lot of the DMCs and the, you know, I learned over the years, you know, me meeting with venues, planners, uh, we, we ended up bringing out um, part of the, the product for caterers, um, you know, production companies use us. I mean, we have, we have a very uh, large scale of different types of users. And one of the things that I, I really learned is that all of us have our habits of how we work and habits are really hard to break. But, um, and I think the, the DMC world or, or a lot of verticals in our industry, um, we just very, very used to working and they're very big corporations. Some, they're not like when, you know, 
we come from more of the planning side. So event planners, a lot of us are in small teams, right? We actually can adapt and we can grow faster and we can learn new things. A lot of the DMCs work for big companies or they work for very big clients and even their clients haven't yet adapted to technologies. So even if a DMC wants to come on board with new technologies, they, they have a hard time on the other side with the clients being able to collaborate because, you know, they're still in old technologies as well. So it's not always sometimes the, it's not just the industry's fault. It's sometimes the other side, the client side as well. Yeah. That, stops us from growing as well yeah. you know I guess just just ending sorry <laughs> ending with that is that when I hear that the one thing that I always tell them is you have to be an educator yes. if you believe in a technology or you believe in something and you can't get your clients you or your clients don't know about it then you have to educate them it's your job to educate them and once you can educate them then you've maybe got a chance of getting them on board to collaborate you know Yeah. And I guess like with me being so, you know, having a strategy and having a process and you're, you're exactly right. Like I would say when, when apps first came out, I'll never forget. It was the worst $10,000 I ever spent on an app, but I (laughs) was like, I'm going to pay this guy and he's going to build this app. And I've got this iPad and this iPhone and it's going to do all this stuff for my clients, but then no one would use it. And so after looking back on my psychology days, I'm like, oh, well, they're paying me to do everything for them. So why the hell would they use it? So then I adopted using Dropbox and Google Drive. And at the time, these things were free. But then, you know, once you exceed a certain amount of space, you got to pay for it, which is fine. It's a wonderful investment. And then after I started doing that on the back end, someone said to me, well, why don't you just use that with your clients? And I thought, well, I'll try it. And what I learned was they were familiar with Dropbox. They were familiar with Google Drive. Most people had a Gmail. And still to this day, I'll ask people, do you have Google Drive? Are you? No. And I'm like, well, do you have a Gmail? Yes. Well, then you have Google Drive. You just don't know because you don't use it. And I'm like, give me your phone. And I put three apps on their phone. And I'm like, this is how we're going to collaborate. Everything's in real time. It's all updated. And now... I mean, there's other softwares actually for our industry, but what I've learned is that I'm teaching them life skills that they can use in everyday life. And the way that these mothers and fathers that are in their fifties and sixties have taken, because they all have smartphones because they want to be cool, but they don't know how to use it. And so I'm like, okay, here's Dropbox, here's Google Drive, here's Sheets, here's Docs, here's how you're going to edit, here's how you can see everything up to date, here's your budget. And it's like, they're a whole new person. They'll come back in the next month and meet with me. And they're like, Angela, I've got my whole office on Dropbox now. And so, I mean, it's just, but you're right. You have to be confident in your product and confident in the strategy and then be willing to not back down. Like if people say, can you mail me a menu of services? I'm like, "Uh, mail? No, we we, we don't do that. And if you have a problem getting onto the internet or email, we're not going to be able to follow our strategy, which is going to cause an issue. So it's not going to work. And unfortunately, we've had to say that still to this day, a couple times a year. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and that's why we concentrated on the venues and the planners, because truthfully, the venues and the planners and, you know, it, and we, we consider caterers very much like venues because a lot of them mm-hmm. own the properties or they're exclusive from properties. So when I talk about venues, it's slash caterers. But when we concentrated with these three markets, we knew they were always going to be in charge. If it wasn't the venue in charge, it would be the planner. If the planner was in charge, then the venue sits with them. And, you know, somebody will take charge of an event. And if you take charge of something, then exactly what you said, Angela, then you are in control and you tell them this is the product we're using and this is the way that we're working and this is how it goes. And you find that what happens is on the other side, if you educate them like you did, then you've got a 90% chance of them joining in with you, you know, yeah. but that's it. You know, it's, it's very rare. You're going to hear somebody who doesn't have Wi-Fi, you know, which would be the only thing that would stop them from using a collaboration system. Nothing else. <laughs> exactly. Know? Exactly. I mean, I would ask you like, what is so special and what's unique, you know, about all seated. I mean, I think you guys pay or even opened up a roadway. And I know that there's probably other softwares out there that do what All Seated does. But quite honestly, I haven't heard of anything else that is in 
this space right now that does everything. So for our new listeners who maybe they've heard of All Seated or they're familiar, and yes, it's a floor plan app, but can you give us an in, just some insight into some of the things that it actually does? Sure. So I, I first of all, I think that what you know, we, we do have competitors. Every every business has some competitors in, in the industry, but I think what stands us out the, the most, and which is what I wanted to build, which was very important to me, was the was a library of floor plans. So today we have close to three hundred thousand scaled floor plans. Uh, I would say 80% of them are from the United States. It's very rare that you will go into all seated and you will not find your floor plan. And if you don't find your floor plan, we have a service that can build it within 24 hours, uh, the latest 48 hours. So there is, and, and we scale every floor plan. So from a planner's perspective, it gives you a professionalism of every floor plan that you use has got the same look, the same feel. Uh, you can put your own logo in so you can brand it yourself. You can uh, collaborate and invite everybody in in real time. So all of those um, assets are something that's very unique to All Seated. Um, at the same time, we've got um, thousands probably today maybe even over 10,000 pieces of custom furniture. So we don't we don't just build out, you know, a 60-inch table and a 72-inch table. We've got tons of furniture that our community have actually built for us over the 6 years. So we've got everything you can imagine. Anything that everybody anybody ever wanted at an event, we've built and it's scalable in our library of furniture so we have a huge library of furniture and over the last two years we've actually um, invited 15 furniture companies that have their full catalogs in all seated so that also gave us a really great competitive edge because we've got huge libraries of floor plans and furniture that's which has been amazing yeah which has been really really exciting as we as we've built out and i think that one of the other aspects of the product is that because we're from the gaming industry, and I really would love to lead into this a little bit, um, we have an amazing 3D technology. So yes. even before we went to where we're going now and in the future, we came out very early with allowing every floor plan with a click of a button to go into a 3D image. And that was really cool. I mean, I didn't even... I couldn't even believe how cool that was, you know, because again, this is what the gamers knew. This was their world. They, they understood how to do that. And we built, and because we build every one of our floor plans, we don't have our 3D that runs with a camera. So anybody that, that understands 3D technology, if you have it with a camera, then wherever the camera stops is kind of where the floor plan ends. But our 3D reads every single mark of every line on the floor plan and therefore can almost go in a whole 360 environment and keep going round and up and down and all around, like a game, like in yeah. and out, and weave you in all different directions. And, uh, and most of the 3D that's out there is camera-led. Um, and that when the camera kind of has its last view, it can't go any further. So, you know, it's kind of like done with plus and minuses, whereas we have yeah. a toggle, you know, like a gaming toggle that allows you to move in all different um, directions. So it's, it's it, from very early on, it was a very, very cool 3D technology. Um, and um, we had a lot of um, excitement from the industry with our early 3D. And like you've spoken to me um, in the past, when when you talked about the early adapters of virtual reality, which I'd love to touch yes, on. Yes, absolutely. Um, podcast is, uh, and the importance of where virtual reality is going to go. But we touched on it in about 2014. 2014, I'll tell you this very quick story. 2014, I get a call from Daniel in the middle of the night, which is not so wow. unusual because developers work 24-7. They have crazy hours. They sleep during the day. Then they're up all night. They're, they have very crazy schedules. Um, so in the middle of the night, I get this call and Daniel's like, amazing news. Mark Zuckerberg, bought oculus meant absolutely nothing to me i'm like i thought i was like dreaming i'm like what fantastic <laughs> exactly i go fantastic and i put the phone down and i really never thought anything of it again never really never really thought much about it but i did know that for two years from about 2014 for two years something was going on in the office but i didn't ask so many questions 
because truthfully, I had a fantastic product and I didn't really want anything else to happen in the product. I was really happy with the product as is. So we fast forward to 2016. In 2016, I get a call again, like three o'clock in the morning. But this time I hear a lot of noise in the office and I'm like, Daniel, what's going on? It's three o'clock in the morning. He's like, you have to come to the office. Everybody's here. And I'm like, it's three o'clock in the morning. He's like, everybody's here, Sandy. You have to come. And I'm like, oh my God. So I'm in my pajamas. Luckily, I live near the office. I drive to the <laughs> office and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I can't believe this. And, and as I walk in, the whole office, the lights are on. Everybody's there. There's like 10, 15 people there. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, the Oculus Rift has arrived. The, and I'm like, I don't even know what the hell he's talking what? about, but this big contraption that's wired into a computer and everybody's trying it on and everybody's like, they're, they're ecstatic. So I, I'm like, okay, well, what is it? I put it on. And because they'd been doing something behind the scenes for two years, I actually saw for the very first time the future. I saw yes. where this industry was going to go. I saw it because I, I'm a creative. I had to visually see something. I couldn't yep. understand what. That's how we learn. Exactly. I saw, I was transported into the plaza. I was in the middle of our office. Actually, all our R&D is done in Tel Aviv. So I'm standing in Tel Aviv in the middle of our office at three o'clock in the morning. And I am transported into New York, into our office into their floor plan in their yeah. ballroom in New York. And I was like, oh my God. And you get lost. You get totally lost. You actually think you're there. You know, yeah. like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you get totally, totally lost. And that's when I saw the future. And that's when we decided to invest heavily into yep. technology and into virtual reality. And I always explain to, I go around talking a lot and educating the market and a lot of things. But one of the things when I talk about virtual reality, I, I talk about, the evolution of technology. And I'm going to take one minute, Angela, to, yeah. to discuss with you how we have seen the evolution. Remember when we were first presented with desktops? Yes. Okay, you remember that, okay? Of course. And how excited were we? Did we not think this was going to be the most amazing thing that was ever going to happen in our life, right? Mm -hmm. We probably thought then and there that what else could happen? This, this was it. But then what happened? We were introduced to the browser. So mm -hmm. we had the desktop revolution, revolution, and then we sat and we were introduced to the browser and we were like, oh my God, can you imagine? I can find information every, from everywhere in the world. I can ask a question and suddenly I get information. And then I have everywhere to put it. I have this, this desktop to, to put it on. And we thought this couldn't, life couldn't get any better. But what happened? We had the mobile revolution, okay? It yep. all became mobile. And we were like, oh my God, you know, we're like, oh my God. The mobile are now actually be able to take our desktops, which went into iPads, which went into our phones. Uh, we've got the browsers. We thought life just couldn't get any better. But I'm here to tell you that it is going to get better because we now have the next platform and that is virtual reality. And nothing happens overnight. You know, virtual mm -hmm. reality, it, billions upon billions of dollars have been invested into this. The biggest players, Amazon, bought 17,000 Oculus to train 1 million of their employees. Uh, Netflix are building movies in virtual realities. Uh, Warner Brothers started to talk about it. NAS, NASDAQ, the car industry, is building... Uh, all their races in, in that in virtual reality. Microsoft, Facebook, Google, all the big players, I'm sure you're well aware of it, have invested yeah. billions upon billions. So yeah. virtual reality is here to stay and industries are already beginning to adopt. You know, the gaming industry, like you spoke about earlier, have really been in virtual reality for 20 years. Um, real estate are selling properties all over the world without anybody stepping foot inside the property they're selling it all through virtual reality medical industries having breakthroughs um you know industry after industry consumer we're going to be shopping in virtual reality we're going to be watching our movies in virtual reality industries upon industries are changing and what better way for us to sell in a visual environment than the events industries how many of us are storytellers and stand there and tell these amazing stories to our clients and we have this blank face in front of us mm -hmm. and we're totally got it as creatives right we got it we understand it 
we know what we're doing, but there's this blank face on the other side of us. And however many swatches of material you show them and however many color charts we pull up and show them and however creative we can come up and show them, we cannot give them that immersive visualization until now, which is virtual reality is bringing us that tool. And that's what I'm excited about. Oh my gosh. Like I heard about it. Um, probably about two years ago, the entrepreneur organization that I'm part of, we have these learning events every month and everybody in the group, they know that I'm into technology. They know I'm a tech nerd and they're like, have you heard of VR? I'm like, what's VR? <laughs> and right. like, it's virtual reality. They're like, oh my God, Ange, you have to come. Like, I know that you can't make it to every event. I'm like, I'll be there. I'll be in town. So I go and this guy, you know, has the goggles and he like has, to, he gives us this presentation where he was working, um, with football teams and weight loss centers and how they were, um, people would turn the goggles on about like working out and what it was doing and then football. And then what he was working on at the time was getting it into rehab centers for um, yeah. anger management. And so with me working with my background being in healthcare and psychology and working in a mental hospital, that's actually what really like, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, people that are suffering who've been beaten and just, you know, really awful things, they were using it to stimulate certain things. Um, I don't want to get all geeky in healthcare, but right. I, I left there and there were a few apps that we downloaded and um, they were working with one of the car brands, a luxury car brand in building the car, like the new car fast forward and putting and selling it. And that was their new marketing strategy and sending people these glasses to get them to upgrade to a new Porsche. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, like you couldn't believe it, right? You just no. I mean, it just the marketing. And so the funny thing is after that, a few months later, I had had a, a Lexus for eight years. I drove the wheels off of it. And then it caught on fire when I was driving down the road one day. Oh I needed to get it, and it was crazy. And I drove all these other cars. I didn't have time. I drove a rental car. And then, you know, I'm like, well, and I did remember that car, you know, in the VR where I like, I'm like, Porsches, I mean, they're too expensive, but like, I'm just going to go drive it anyway. And what the hell did I end up buying? <laughs> you know, like, you know I, I never forgot that experience. And so it's just from a marketing perspective for those of us who are not only planners, but the designers and the creatives, because logistics are important, but understanding how creative we can be with implementing the logistics and having it to scale is, is such a game changer and having the furniture and the linens and the colors. And so I just, I can't even explain how exciting it is. And then to take it a step further from the psychological angle is there's a certain type of personality where they just don't get it. They can't walk into an ugly ballroom, close their eyes and see it because their brain is not wired. And you can do, you can draw it out. You can do a flat floor plan. You could put it up into 3D, but when you put virtual reality and you're like, so this yep. is what your wedding's going to look like. And yeah, it may cost you half a million dollars. I feel like once they experience that, you're not going to have a problem selling them and giving them exactly what they want. So the expectation will be met and you won't have to pray they like it when they walk in and not have buyer's remorse. So exactly. it's a complete game changer. So when is this coming out? <laughs> So we've been very busy, you know, again, we're working with the venues. We've got about um, six months ago, we started to present it to the venues where we've built about 80 properties uh, in the 360. So what we do is we go in and we 360 camera their, their space empty. And then in order for it to become dynamic, because it's not good enough just to have a 360 scan because... We, we change our floor plans and our designs all the time. So we then model the camera image in a modeling environment, bring it into all seated so that you can keep laying all your floor plans and be creative and dynamic. And every single time you do an event, it's always going to be different. It's not just that camera image of what 360 does today. It just takes that camera image and then whatever that camera image is, it stays in that camera image. So we actually model everything out. So 
we're in the process of scaling that whole part of the business, which has been amazing. We've built now a a 3D um, studio where we've got 3D modelers that are building out um, tons of floor plans for us. And, um, And we're gearing up to open it up to the planner side in early 2019, where you will be given all the listings of all the properties that are in virtual reality, that are in 360. You'll be able to go into all seated. You'll be able to build it in the 2D environment. And then with a click of the button, you'll be able to see it in a web browser, in a 360 environment. And then if you want to go one step further, you'll, you'll, you'll download that into the virtual reality world. And today, because of the Oculus Go, you've got a wireless virtual reality goggles from Oculus for $199, which is nothing. It's unbelievable. Perfect. And the venues and a planner will be able to take their venues on the go. You will be able to literally in this little case, in this little goggles, be able to walk around from your, to client to client or have them come to your office and you'll be able to showcase hundreds of properties in your office. Think about all the time you can save and the money and all the frustrations of not being able to do all these site tours um, on, on site. You're going to be able to do this in virtual reality. It's going to be amazing. So we're around the corner from it happening. So are you guys going to demo this at any of the upcoming conferences like Wedding MBA or the special event? So we're going to be at special events and we're going to be demoing it. We're, um, we're not able to, to be at the, the Wedding um, MBA, but we are going to be at special events. Um, and that's going to be a very big launch for us. And we're hoping to release, um, uh, you know, close to a couple of hundred properties, uh, like I said, in early 2019, that will be already in virtual reality and uh, the 360 environment to the um, planner world, to the uh, events industries, which we're very excited about. That is just, it's incredible. Like it gives me chills. Like I've had yeah. chills like for the past yes. 20 minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really, I know I, honestly, I'm living and breathing it. And I, <laughs> and my excitement level just doesn't, doesn't fall down. I'm just so excited about it. It's, it's very cool. And we have tons of ideas where we're going to go with this. I mean, you know, how about Angela, we get on a podcast in say February or January. And I can tell you, where we're going to go with this, where the future is really going to go. I just can't talk about it in too much detail right now, but come early January, February, I'd love to be on your, your podcast again. We'll schedule it now. And then your audience will be the first ones to hear about how, how further we're going in virtual reality and more and even more where we're going, you know? That's amazing. (laughs) I know that like all seated is, I mean, you just, you guys just encompass a lot of education. Like what other, not, I mean, I just feel like nothing could like top what we just talked about, but I know like I'm a productivity guru and just what efficiency tools do you, do you love that people could like our listeners could really look into to scale their business? Yeah. So I'm, I talk a lot about that as well. Um, you know, we're all about scaling and efficiency. So we bring tons of tools into our business. I mean, you know, one of the things that I, I always tell uh, um, anybody that I'm talking to about this is that you need to identify what you need the tools for. So for example, my technology team have a totally different group of tools that they use than what I use in sales and marketing. And my operationals team use another set of tools. So it's not necessarily one tool that's going to service a whole company. You have to identify your needs per category within your company. So I'm going to talk to about today about sales and marketing because that's really probably the most interesting, I think, because that's the team that I'm in. Absolutely, um, yeah. Is, is very interesting. So when we identified what tools do we need, obviously on the social marketing side, we needed a bunch of tools that could generate, um, you know, we'd spend hours on social media like everybody does today. You know, how do we, how do we, um, you know, update all our pictures and all our dialogue and everything there has to be a better way than just every day spending two hours doing this so we started to introduce um, um, scheduling tools like uh, hubspot and buffer and do you know some of these tools angela oh, yeah absolutely i'm sure you're familiar with them so we use buffer and buffer allows us once a week on a monday morning the whole team gets together, we, we drive in all our pictures, all our articles, all our thoughts, and we schedule for the entire week and we never think about social media again. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. <laughs> right? Yep. It's a, a, a huge um, thing. And then we um, found a company called Fiverr. Do you know this yep. company? Absolutely. Fiverr. So Fiverr is, uh, if you don't know it, it's a tool that Andrew and I are probably going to regret that we're telling everybody about because it's really good, well-kept secret for most companies. Yep. <laughs> But I started right. But I started to share it a bit because when people hear me talk about it and they start using it, they they I get personal emails from people to thank me. So Fiverr is a literally a company that from five dollars upwards, you can have tons of movies, content, um, loads of creative things done for you. You can even have uh, writers write things for you. But we personally use it for content. So we'll have you know have lots of pictures. And we'll want a movie made for it. And for 25 bucks, I can have a movie made for it. And, um, you know, if I want to have uh, a video drawn out in cartoon characters, I can have a whole video done for $35 with voice and sounds, right? You can have websites built for 50 bucks. You can, I mean, it is just an incredible site. Today it's got, when we first found it, it was a much smaller site today it's got tens of thousands of people that can create things for you so you do have to look at the reviews if you know people that use it you should ask them who their favorites are um, it does help the process but it's really an, an amazing tool so i highly recommend that and the only other one i mean i've got lists of them but i know we're running out of time and the only <laughs> other one then i'm sure angela's a big fan of this as well is a product called slack Oh yeah, it's great. Uh, I love Slack. So we were a company that started to grow quite fast. You know, first we were, you know, Daniel and myself and his team, and then we were, you know, five people and then 10 people. And once you're a company that's 10 people today, we're, we're even bigger. But even when we got to the stage of being 10, 15 people, you'll be amazed at how much chatter starts piling up in your inbox, in your emails, right? You've got, mm -hmm. now you've got 10 people in your company to start having dialogue, dialogue with as opposed to all your clients that you really want to have the dialogue with. So I started to notice that I could have about a hundred emails that I was on CC and you know, you kind of have to open them up because you don't know what's in it. And 50% of those emails were like, yeah, okay, sure. No problem. Everybody was just answering. And I was going out of my mind mm -hmm. because I was wasting so much time going through all these emails. And then I, my box got jammed with so many emails that I couldn't even find my customer emails. So somebody told me a few years ago about this product called Slack. Again, it was very early. They were just coming into the market. We were one of the first pioneers with them and we've watched them grow over the years. They're an amazing product, an amazing company. Um, and we came on board and what I understood was that I could separate the chatter from my company with what was going on with my business and my clients. And once I separated it, my life just changed. Every email that goes in my inbox today is customer related. Every single chatter that goes on in the company, and we have a lot of chatter, you can't help it. Everybody wants to know what's going on. You want your, you want your staff to know what's going on. We move to Slack. So we have now group discussions, individual discussions, we can upload. And I love the group discussions because we can have gossip channels. We can have, <laughs> you know, reading channels and we have family channels. So when there's something going on, we upload pictures with what's going on with our families. And suddenly all the noise, is, and as our company grows, we've now got 40 people. I have none of that running in my inbox unless it's customer related, unless there's an attachment or unless a customer's on that email, everything is separated. And now my inbox is really, really focused for me as a, as a person that needs to be involved with clients, right? It was amazing. And for the first month, by the way, I, I highly suggest this for any new technologies that you want to bring in as a company policy. I fired every, I, I, I not fired, I, <laughs> I fined everybody $1 for every wrong email that they sent me that could have gone in Slack. That's and awesome. the charity box got really big at the end of the month. There was quite a few hundred dollars in it that we donated to charity. And then everybody stopped, you know, sending me emails that were not relevant that could go into Slack. 
<laughs> and that's mm-hmm. a way of breaking habits, you know, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I, it's funny because from a productivity standpoint, I work with a lot of companies who sign up for these apps and these technologies, and then they just give it to all their employees and they expect them to figure it out. Right. And so I'm like, guys, you got to train these people and So what I'll do, I'll go in and help train them based on the way they need to hear it based on their their, four different personality types. And so then people like have this aha moment and they're like, oh, I get it. And so like, for instance, with the entrepreneur organization, there's so many different groups that you can be a part of based on what your interests are personally or professionally. So there is a, there's several different technology groups in there. And so I'm in the Slack groups and it's just amazing how it has helped people connect as well. So it doesn't just have to be in-house, you know, it's great for in-house, but we also use it in other organizations. I've been when I was on the board for ILEA and I know that, um, you know, some other companies adopt it or organizations adopt it so that all of the board members can just simply communicate. And some of the things that go back and forth, they're, they're highly confidential. And I know in my company, I have a communications director and she sees all the emails and she pushes them out. We have strategies. We have a a company that we work with called SaneBox to keep our emails sane because she manages all of that. And so there's some things where it's just not meant for any other people to see in your company. And so that's been a big thing for our board members is keeping things confidential and it's coming straight to your phone and it's not going into a bunch of different inboxes where, so, you know, the confidentiality is important too, but like you said, just the efficiency of the back and forth chit chat. Yeah. And you know, we have private channels in, in Slack that you don't have to invite everybody in. I have my own management. That is just my management team. Not everybody gets to see what we're chatting about. And then, you know, we have all different types of channels. I have spoken my head off about Slack. I'm sure Ilea's using it because of me. I can't tell you, I was one of the first doctors and I have not stopped talking about it because it changed my whole life. I mean, I was getting four, 500 emails a day. How can you manage that? You can't yeah. manage that. And then you're out of the office for a couple of hours and you can't answer all of them. The next day, you've got 700. I mean, it's just an impossible situation emails can ruin your life if you do not have it managed and whether you're using products like what you were using say and i know that as well it's a great mm-hmm. product or there's another product i can't remember the name off offhand but it it's like an ai that starts recognizing what is not that important to you but you know what who your employees are so they they bring that further up the list for you it actually moves your emails up the list for you some very cool technologies out there really really cool stuff yeah, it's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing pleasure. <laughs> all of this. Like, so where should our listeners go? Should they just go to allseated.com yes. and watch for like I even see on social media where you all have the consistency, like virtual reality is coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're we're actually uh, on Facebook is the best place. Uh, if you go to the all seated Facebook and you start watching, we're releasing now every week all the properties that are coming on board with us that means all those properties will be available for you in early 2019 we're starting to release them we haven't we're doing early releases to the properties first and um i just want to let you know angela that anybody that's listening to this podcast if they send you a personal email and it says uh, sandy hamill all seated in it and then you forward it to us we will give them 20 percent off um you know once they've used their free um, events. Every planner has 10 free events within All Seated, so anybody can go up and sign up. But if you do more than 10 events, you're asked to buy into um, a program. So we give your clients 20% off if they, if Angela forwards an email from you to me. Um, or you can email me directly. I'm Sandy with a S-A-N-D-Y at allseated.com. Um, and say you listen to Angela's podcast, we'd also offer that 20% off. Um, And if you really just need a few more floor plans, you've got the 10 free events, but you need a few more to get through the year, don't tell anyone. But if you email me directly, I'll throw in a few extra. (laughs) You're awesome. (laughs) You're awesome, Sandy. Thank you so much. Well, I know like for a lot of, again, like I have really new people and planners and then people that are still trying to 
understand all this change. And so like to them, every penny matters, but yes, it, I, I know, believe me, I know that. I really yeah. do. And so it's like every little thing helps, but I promise you, and I know you, you know this, this is why you are, are being so gracious because once you see how efficient this is, you, it's like, what, $50 a month? I, oh, $100? I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, my it's, life is so much more efficient. And yeah. it, it, it takes money to make money. And you got to invest in your company a little bit to grow. Yep. And yep. then once you see how it brings you sales and your clients are like, oh my God, that's amazing. And yeah. then even with social media, yeah, you can share it. But the, the powerful thing is the word of mouth experience. And that's how we get our wedding clients. And I mean, if it doesn't come through word of mouth, we typically don't end up doing it because it's too much work on the sales part because people don't understand the value. But this helps people actually see and experience the value before yeah. they actually pay to have it built. So yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you, Angela. I really was, it was just great. And uh, I'm very excited uh, to hear from your audience. If anybody has any feedback, if you are an all seated user and you think there's some other direction for us to go into, or you have some more tools that you'd like us to add, we love customer feedback, anything. I love it. Well, thank you, Sandy. And thank you everyone for listening today. And be sure to catch us next week on Weddings Unveiled. Have a great day. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. And I am so very grateful if you will leave a review. Be sure you are a subscriber so you never, ever miss the juicy details of Weddings Unveiled. Also, be sure that you're a part of my email list, and if not, you can sign up at AngelaProfit.com where I share valuable resources and exclusive products with only my subscribers. Before I go, I want to ask you, if you have a story or a product to share with the wedding and event industry, please let me know. To be considered as a guest on Weddings Unveiled, visit AngelaProfit.com and submit a podcast guest form. Until next time, remember to stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Weddings Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time for more insights to help you build a productive, profitable wedding or event business. For more great resources, head over to AngelaProfit.com.